What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? I'm back after a uh, short break and ready to go again. Well, it is good to have you back from your seventh holiday of the year, and it's only July, but you know, we move, we move forward. Um, Right, Carl, you have basically shut out the footballing world for the last week and a bit, which is credit to you, but also means that I can now throw information at you and get your reaction. So we'll start with Liverpool-based information. Jordan Henderson has agreed to a contract with Al Etifak of the Saudi Pro League, the team managed by Steven Gerrard. They are not one of the teams that have been taken over by the PIF, but they are getting PIF funding for certain deals as the PIF looks to build this league up. Uh, Your thoughts on, A, Liverpool potentially losing Henderson, B, Henderson going to Saudi, and anything else that you want to touch on with regards to Liverpool's captain? Um, So, yeah, absolutely right. I switched off the day I was leaving, and I switched nothing on until about an hour ago when we decided to do a podcast. So I've seen nothing and then done a, a whole bit of reading. Um, I'm surprised Henderson is considering that kind of move, given how he's positioned himself, not as a player, as a as a person and as a uh, personality, obviously. Uh, I, I can understand why there is some comments ranging from incredulity to outright anger in certain areas. Um, at the same time, as a player, I can kind of understand it, to be perfectly honest. This is a equivalent of, a, you know, in terms of a, a step down, maybe someone going to MLS six years ago, let's say, seven years ago, uh, and playing at a, a significantly lower level. I think actually even worse overall playing standard, but I mean, the equivalent of, of what kind of a move it is, except the money is even bigger and the league is even worse. So you can understand it from that perspective because we've seen over the last at least two seasons there has been a significant drop in the amount of um, output from Jordan Henderson in terms of 
regular performance level, uh, actual ceiling on the performance level, and certainly how frequently he can offer that ceiling. So the move itself, not surprised. The move, him doing it, actually is a bit of a surprise for me. From a Liverpool perspective, I, I mean, we've been saying it for a while. We said it much more forcefully in the closing weeks of last season. Just do the whole rebuild. I didn't think Liverpool were going to do it. And to be honest, other than Saudi Arabia presenting itself as a sudden option for a lot of players, I don't think they would have. But if the opportunity is now there, from a Liverpool perspective, I think you take it. Mm. I think if if Jordan Henderson wants to go and there's a, a fee that you're happy to receive, which can be agreed, absolutely take it. Um, I actually wouldn't have expected Liverpool to get anything for Jordan Henderson um, if he was to move, let's say, within the Premier League. Nothing more than like... You know, Three, five, six, some something like that million. Nothing, nothing notable anyway. So if the opportunity is there from a club perspective, I think you do it and you get this rebuild done properly. Yeah, and the other factor is you're selling him within England, and let's just say he went for you know six million. The clubs that would be interested in him don't pay the type of wages that he's on, so mm. he would have been taking a pay cut, meaning Liverpool would have had to make up the difference if they were happy for him to move on. So let's just say he went to, I don't know, Everton, just just because they're crap. Let's say he went to Everton for six million and they offered him a hundred grand a week and we were like, we want this deal to go through. We then have to make up part of his wages. So in, in essence, we either get nothing or we end up losing a bit of money to move him on, which is why in part, I wouldn't be against the idea of letting him go to Saudi for free because you just clear out the wages. There's no there's no footballing downside to getting rid of Jordan Henderson. Now, if we can get a fee, and reports suggest that they initially thought it could be done on a free, which I assume came from his camp. Liverpool have dug their heels in. They've offered something in the region of 10 million. Liverpool have said, well, we want closer to 20. My guess is it'll get done at around 14, 15, 16, something that's palatable to everybody. And he can go on about his business and go over there, which is a, let's be fair, it's a crap league. I know they're bringing in some names, but you're going to end up with basically another Scottish Premier League. That's what it's going to be. It'll be four teams rather than two, and he won't be at one of the four. He'll be at Saudi Arabia's answer to Motherwell is where he's going to be. So, But as long as he's happy, fair enough. Now, there's many avenues of slander I could take. Obviously, the fact that at the first sign that he wasn't going to be a regular starter, he's upped and ran, um, which doesn't speak well to you know, his desire to actually fight for a spot in the Liverpool team. But, you know, we'll let that pass. More important to Liverpool, though, Carl, is the news that came in after this, that one of the big clubs in Saudi, one of the ones that has been taken over by the PIF and has been fully funded, has offered £40 million for Fabinho. Now, like you... I didn't think we'd go full bore midfield rebuild. I thought we should, but I didn't think we would. I thought we'd do two starters with Fabinho staying in the first 11 and then one coming in potentially like a Romeo Lavia 
as your Fabinho successor in a year or two, but he'd come in now and, and develop behind him. This offer, though, of 40 million is too good to turn down because, again, if you put Fabinho on the open market after the season he just had, at the age that he's at, I think you'd be lucky to get 20 to 25 million for him. So to get 40 and potentially say 55 for him and, and Henderson, who otherwise you might have been coming out with 25 for the pair of them, I just think it makes a lot of sense for us to move them on even if it's a small hit to us in the short term in terms of bringing in a six who doesn't settle instantly, I still think both in the medium and long term, it's just by far the better move to move both of them on and go full bore on the midfield rebuild as things stand. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, 100%. Um, The Fabinho one is, in my mind, more of a bite-your-hands-off one. Um, I was pretty firm on my opinion of Fabinho last season and the upturn in team form did nothing to change my mind about his individual input and I've seen a lot of I saw I should say a lot of input over that last month or so from quite a few people um, who I would have expected different of quite a few people who I would have expected absolutely no different of uh, both of them saying the same sorts of thing that he was back that he was playing an integral role again he'll be back to his best next season and personally I think this is absolute rubbish Mm. Um, Fabinho is reliant in some ways on a certain type of uh, performance and a certain, certainly athletic ability in terms of getting the very best out of him. And absolutely nothing we saw at the end of last season suggests that that's the case. So if we were to have sold him this summer, I would have imagined nothing more than at the very most 20 million, very, very most given performance level, age, salary that people would have to pay all of that. The bigger issue is, as we've spoken before, there's simply no market in Europe for teams who can pay that kind of money and that kind of wages. 20, 25 million, you're talking about a very, very small pool outside of the Premier League. Um, And no matter what I think about him from a Liverpool perspective, I wouldn't have wanted to sell Fabinho to a Premier League club because, as I've said before, the the way Fabinho could still have played a big role for us was in those games where we were sitting in a lower block where he could still patrol without having to be turned around and have to track back, that kind of thing. He's still very, very effective in that regard. He just doesn't fit anymore what we need him to do game to game to game to game to game to game, where we're going to dominate, where we expect to be by far the bigger, better team. So for this to come up and uh, basically money is going to give you what you paid for him, but five years down the line, that's an incredible offer to be receiving, I think. And that is absolutely one I would have no hesitation in taking. 
I fully agree with you on Fabinho last season. I think he was so poor for so much of the season that slightly below average performances were seen as always back. Because if you go back and look at those performances in that run-in where we shifted the shape, I don't even think he was good. I still think he was average to below average. And there's a moment I always go back to, which is the Fulham game, where Joe Polina, in the space of about three minutes, just runs by him with the ball two or three times. And Joe Polina is not somebody who's noted for his ability to drive from midfield with the ball. He's not a particularly quick player. And yet with the ball, he didn't just run past Fabinho. He then ran away from Fabinho as Fab tried to turn and go after him. So you're still very much struggling with foot speed. And I've seen people say, oh, well, you put runners around him in midfield and he'll be fine. Put legs around him and he'll be okay. But that means you're carrying him. Others are having to do his work for him. We've seen the effects on Fabinho of having to do other players' work. Look what it's done to him. He was a corpse at 28 years of age. And it wasn't just this past season, because he ended the previous season in really poor form as well. It's a good 15 months of this. And it is just time to say thank you for everything. You have been a transcendent player for us. You have been amazing. You were one of the very best in the world at what you do when you were at your best. But the best of luck in your future endeavours. Enjoy life in Saudi. And move him on and have no second thoughts about it. I don't think there's, a, again, a footballing reason to keep Fab other than if you were bringing in, say, a Romeo Lavia, it might be nice to have a Fabinho to kind of help him bed in. But the thing is, we clearly had the money to get that Lavia type of player before all this started. And we clearly wanted one more midfielder in before the Henderson and Fabinho stuff started. So with Fab going, we need two in because we don't need to replace Henderson. He's already been replaced by Dominic, by Alexis. He wasn't going to be a starter and his minutes as a squad player can just be taken up by the likes of Curtis Jones, by the likes of Stefan Besetic, by the fact that Dominic and Alexis should play more than other players that played in midfield last year anyway. So I don't see much need to keep either of them, really. I think we can more than afford to now go and buy two in midfield. One that comes in and starts day one is ready-made to slot in, and one that can either be a young player like a Lavia or someone along the lines of a Tyler Adams or Manu Kone type, who's not necessarily a pure six, but could be converted or you know could be used in that way, but could also fill in elsewhere. Adams could be a Trent backup. He could also play right back in a standard back four. Kone obviously could play, I think he could play the Trent role, not in terms of the passing, but just in terms of that dynamic shift from covering right back to being in midfield. I think he can do that as well. I think the best thing we can do is is move on these two lads. And 
There has also been some rumours, and, and this would be the final piece then of, of the complete midfield, midfield rebuild. There's been some talk of Thiago and a move back to Barcelona, which I would imagine would be very appealing to him and to his family. Would you take 15 million for Thiago if you were certain that Liverpool could then bring in three midfielders? One to start, one to be the backup six, and then another maybe young prospect type or a, a versatile type. You know, Andre from Fluminese has been linked. Uh, Maxens Kakare's name has been thrown about. Someone like that maybe that comes in to replace Thiago isn't a starter, but offers versatility and depth as both an eight and potentially in the double pivot. Uh, yes, um, I think. Thiago, we've, you know, we spoke about it again at the end of last season. And while neither of us as a player would like to sell him, not in the same way as Fabinho, for example, there's no, there's no uh, decimation of talent, let's say, of the game that he has. It's much more a case of he costs us more than he gives us because of his availability. And that is not really going to change. Um, so yes, if we're being paid, to be honest, even 10 million, I would yeah. definitely sell him. Um, if it's a case of Barcelona being the club in for him, I can tell you it's very, very unlikely we're going to get 10 or 15 million unless they happen to have magically pulled some more economic levers while I've not been paying attention over the last week or so. Uh, last agreed, things, because they are broke. Yeah, the last things that I was uh, actually, I don't know, apologies if this is now broken in the news or whatever, but last thing I heard from uh, before I left was that basically their FFP application to UEFA is going to be turned down uh, because they're not seeing the things that the that La Liga have allowed as being also considered in their own version of FFP, basically. So there's still lots of work to be done for Barcelona to spend any kind of money whatsoever. Um, so I don't see that we're going to be getting that kind of a fee from them for Thiago. Right, let me float this to you. Thiago for Frank Kessie, straight swap. Yes, yes or no? Yes. You do that? Absolutely, 100%. Okay. I think that could be in play. Um. It's something that's been in the ether for a while that Frank Kessie would like out of Barcelona, that Barca would like to move him on. He is a player that we've definitely looked at in the past. He's a player that could make a lot of sense for us to bring in right now because he's got that versatility to play a number of different roles. So potentially Thiago for Kessie is something that could work. Let me give you some other names then that have been brought up by the journalist. This seems though, Carl like a very measured leak by the club because all of the journalists, James Pierce, Paul Joyce, Melissa Reddy, Chris Bascombe, and I want to say Dom King, all named these four specific players. Now leave Lavi out because that's one that we know has, has some legs to it because it's been ongoing for a while. Ryan Gravenberch, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us, given what we've already done and given what we now need. I could see the logic if Kessie was coming in and another six and we were bringing him in to be a rotation eight. But I'm still not overly sold. What what would you think of a move for Ryan Gravenberch? Um, I think with Gravenberg, it depends largely on fee, to be honest, because I think he's an enormously talented player, but he's an eight, not a six for starters. Um, uh, out of the two, I would see him more McAllister than Sorsley role. 
at this moment in time, how how we set up the midfield. Mm. And I don't really see a huge need for that at the moment because one, Thiago also does that role. Two, Curtis Jones proved last season he can do that role. Yeah. And also I've spoken about, I think Harvey Elliott would do that role better than any other in, in our three, four, five, however many midfielders you want to say we've got right now. Um, so I wouldn't put him too high on the list unless he was going to be the Solosley alternative. But I think he's a bit of a different player in terms of ball progression. He, he's much more of a carrier, a given-goer than uh, yeah. the Solosley who's penetration from deep. Yeah, I I think Gravenberch is, is sort of a distraction name that we just leak because we're doing other things and we want people focused on that. Um, Sofian Amrabat, hmm. if we were to sign him and Lavia, would that yeah. make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, 100%. If Fabinho goes, that those two are probably the two who make most sense out of the players who have been heavily, widely or repetitively linked with us, in my opinion. Because Amrabat is a plug-and-play right now. He's not elite in terms of his technical ability, maybe, but he's exceptional in terms of positional play, mentality, uh, consistency, um, diligence, everything that you want basically for a shithouse number six defensive midfielder to do whatever is needed to stop teams scoring. You can name him for that. Mm. He's also progressive enough to fill in as an eight at times if you need him to, if you want a slightly more... Let's a say Ginny firm, type of eight. robust. Yeah, exactly. If you want a more robust midfield, uh, two out of the three to be a bit more, you know, holding minded, you can play the Lavia as the six and Amrabat ahead of him, and he gives him a bit of extra support in there as well. And Lavia, meanwhile, as we've said a bunch of times, great to have now, but you don't want him playing every game now. So you work on him, you bring him in at the right times, you give him opportunities, and you wait until he gets a lot better. And by that point, I think both of us would suggest that he has the potential to be a lot better than Amrabat. Yeah, uh, over the longer term, obviously. So those two make the most sense price-wise, age dovetailing-wise, and what they would offer now and, let's say, three years from now. Right, and the final name is Calvin Phillips. Now, honestly, I would definitely have taken him from Leeds. I know he's had a bad year at City, but I've seen people just outright dismiss the idea as if he's garbage. And he's clearly not. He's clearly a very good player. I know he missed most of the season with a shoulder injury, but that injury was not a new injury. That's something that he had for years, that he didn't get treated properly when he was at Leeds, that he played through for like two full seasons and finally it needed to be fixed. And it's now fixed, so I wouldn't worry about that. The previous season, his last year at Leeds, he did miss a chunk of time with a hamstring injury. But that's really the only major injuries had in his career is that one hamstring injury. Others have said, well, you know, he's a, the, the Pep said he was fat and all this kind of stuff. The lad played under Bielsa. You're not playing under Bielsa unless you're incredibly fit. I don't think they would sell to us. And I don't think we'd go for him because of where he is. But if, if he was at... If he was still at Leeds, for example, I would definitely take Calvin Phillips and Romeo Lavia. Um, yes, but I think now, given the context of where he is, a lot is going to depend on price as well, as much as anything else, because they paid 45 I think it was. And after 
no other way to describe it, an absolute disaster of a season, absolutely dismal season for him, like the worst it could possibly have gone. And he's, what, 27 now, and he's still got five years left on that contract. Yeah. I'd want a big discount on that fee that they paid, a big discount. And it wouldn't make any difference to them in money terms, but obviously it's Liverpool, the team that they know is going to be right back against the next season or closest to the next season or whatever way around you'll look at it. So I would su- suspect that they would want at the very least their money back and probably a profit, which is absolute nonsense in terms of what has yeah. actually happened since he signed. So I see, I would see that one as a very, very difficult deal unless he is really, really pushing for it. Yeah, I'd agree. I remember uh, maybe a month ago, there was a lot of talk that Rice would go to Arsenal and Phillips would be one of the players that West Ham would would target then. And that kind of made sense. But a couple of City journalists suggested the City would want 55 to 60 million for him. And like you said, 45 million price last summer, disastrous season, Manager has made not one, but two fairly harsh statements about him in the press. There's also been some suggestion that Pep is not overly enamored with his technical ability. So he clearly doesn't rate him all that highly. And he's got a long-term contract, which you're stuck paying if he stays there. So like you, I would be saying, you know, 25 to 30 million, the similar type of fee that you'd be looking at for Amrabat would be where I'd want to get with that one. Another name that's starting to emerge, and Carl, I am completely sold on this idea. I don't know where this is going. Then. Is Czech Dukure of Crystal Palace, who we talked about multiple times before he went to Palace. And Palace nabbed him for, I believe, 21 million. Now, the Lens version of Czech Dukure was almost a bigger, stronger, quicker, more powerful, more robust, more resilient version of Nabi Keita crossed with a Fabinho type of ball winner that he could do that sitting job that Fab does or he could do the kind of roving ball winning thing that Nabi did really well. And on the ball, while not as technically sound as Nabi, he showed good ball carrying, Good progression. He went to Palace. He was their best player last season, but they put him in a box and didn't really allow him to explore what he was capable of because they played a conservative style of football under Vieira and then and then uh, Hodgson. They put him in midfields with, you know, some weeks he was playing in there with Jeffrey Schlupp and Ebieze, who Ebieze is a great player. Schlupp is he's solid, but he's not. Tremendous, but they're both attack-minded players. So he was having to just sit and hold the midfield by himself. I think if you put him into our midfield, next to Trent in that double pivot, I think he would be absolutely incredible. I think defensively, he is a monstrous proposition for teams to try and get past because he's so aggressive. He's so diligent he just doesn't give up on things. He harries and he harries and he harries and he puts his feet in and his legs seem to extend a bit like Fab. And then when he gets the ball, he's very comfortable turning under pressure, very comfortable carrying. He's a good passer. 
especially short and medium distance. Long range passing is something you should probably just give up on. But I think Czech Decore would take all the boxes. Now he's 23, he'll be 24 in January. So age-wise, he fits exactly what we're doing. They'd want a hefty profit, I'd imagine, but that's fine. He's proven in the league. And when you see the market for the likes of Rice, the likes of Caicedo, I watched him dominate Declan Rice twice last season. And I watched him dominate our midfield at Anfield last season. I think he makes a lot of sense. Now, he'd need to be one of two because you need depth. And also, there's the AFCON factor because he will go with Mali. But Czech Decore to me is somebody, if, if we could get him, if he was the one that landed and you were looking at, you know, a midfield three of Dominic, him and Alexis or the four with Trent joining in, I think that's as good as basically anyone's putting out in the Premier League on a week-to-week basis. I mean, I'm a huge fan of him. I think he's more, much more ball winner than ball carrier or distributor, to be honest. He's, he's decent um, in terms of passing range and opening himself up and quick releases. And he moves very quickly off the ball as well, which I think is really important. Um, I compare him playing style-wise to uh, Idris Aganagay, let's say, in his better times. Um, you know, First time around at Everton Villa, PSG when he went, that sort of thing. Really, really good, like upper five or six ball winner around anywhere, really. It's really at one point, maybe only Kante was better than uh, Idris Aganagay as, as in terms of a ball winner. But Kante, I find, is much more of an advanced player. He was never really a six, no. other than France just put him there. I Kante think needed, is, yeah, Kante needed a, a Matic next to him. Yeah. yeah. Or a Danny so Drinkwater. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think um, Decore is much more of a six than Kante was. So that's why I compare him a bit more to, to Ghana, for example. Um, I think he's a little less of an all-round player from a technical and uh, maybe even different systems-wise um, compared to Amrabat. I think Amrabat might be a tiny step above him all-round, all things considered. But as a ball winner, he's probably up there on his own at the minute in the Premier League. Um, I don't see too many in terms of consistency, in terms of you know just able to cover that entire span of the pitch, even if he's less left on his own um, compared to him. So I wouldn't have any problem with getting him. I do think Amrabat would be slightly better all around when you consider how many matches and how much of time during matches we would spend in possession and higher up field. But I wouldn't be crying about it as long as, like we say, there's a Lavia as well or someone else. Um, maybe, if anything, I could say Amrabat slightly again it would be my marginal preference just because of a couple of extra years. Um, but nothing too much in it, really. Well, Amrabat is four years older than him. Four years. So, in, well, four, three and a half years older than him. He'd want to be better. He's in his prime. But... I think the the Decoury we saw at Lens is as good, if not better, an all round player than Sophie and Amrabat. Um, I just think I think Palace put him in a put him in a situation that didn't. Palace make. definitely left him as a as a just a protector, basically. Mm. 
But but like that might be all we need because realistically, a lot of the time is going to be it's going to be recovery runs, which is an important thing. Really, that's it. You're looking for someone that can be a transition killer because we'll have Trent, Dominic, and Alexis plus our front three. We don't really need another ball player in there. We need someone that gets it and gives it to the lads that can play. And Decoure showed last season that he's very, very good at that. He mm. won the ball endlessly and gave it to Eze and gave it to Elise and said, right, you boys go and do that and I'll make sure everything's cushy back here. And let's be, let's to be fair and give the other side of the equation, Amrabat, while I think is a technically sound player, I do think he's also prone to doing more than he's capable of with the ball at times as well. Whether that's that comes from fair. whether that comes from you know Fiorentina's rotating cast and utter inability to be consistent at anything, or the fact he plays such an important role in the national team, maybe he does take it upon himself to do quite a bit. Where at times it's better he doesn't. Mm. If we could go, if we could get De Curry and Lavia, I think that ticks all the boxes for us. But if it's De Curry and a Tyler Adams, I'd be very happy with that. If it was Dakure and Manu Kone, I'd be very happy with that. I, I think we've got good options. I, there's some, some people have tried to say, oh, there's not many good sixes around. I just don't, I don't think that's the case. I think there's a lot of good sixes around if you're willing to pay the money. Now, another name that's been floated is Paulinha at Fulham. Now, I think he's a good player. And at 35 million, I, if we could get him and Alavia, I'd be interested. But Fulham are quoting teams 60 plus. He's 28. They paid, I think, 17 or 18 for him last summer. Uh, Paulinho to me would be too expensive given his age, but I do like the idea of, of him as a player. Yeah, I mean, I think Fulham are doing this exactly right. If there is interest in him and you can get that kind of money or a bit less for him, do it because you can go and out and get one of the other replacements and try and do the same thing again. If you're not going to get that amount of money, no point in selling him and you keep him because he's brilliant for them. He is. I wouldn't be selling him if I was Fulham for a marginal profit. Let's put it that way. No, no, I wouldn't either. And look, it just goes to show we didn't sign anybody last summer because apparently the right midfielder just wasn't out there. But Paulinho moved for, you know, somewhere around 20 million. Dekure moved for somewhere around 20 million. Bubakar Kamara went for free. Like, these are players that we should have been buying last summer. Now, if we want to sign any of them, because Kamara is another one, I think, who would fit really well uh, as a Fabinho replacement, they're going to cost 50 plus in all likelihood, which you know, is, is our own fault, but is needed. And we do need to do this rebuild and it needs to be done properly. So <clears throat> we need one. When Fabinho goes, we'll need two. And if Thiago were to go, and I don't think he will, I think he'll stay for another year, then we'd need three. I think it, I think we might just be better off, because you're right about Barca, like they're, they're not coming up with any money. If they do, it's going to be a million quid this summer, a million quid in January, a million quid next summer, a million quid the fuck. It'll be a nightmare trying to get money out of them. They still owe Manchester City 40 million from the Ferran Torres deal that was meant to be paid already, and they still haven't paid it. So I wouldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. Um, 
Let's change gears then. We have some questions that Andy Wales sent in uh, just before you went away. Or I think just I think it was the day you went away. Um, so he has some scenarios, three scenarios. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. The first one is Florian Verts has decided he wants to join Liverpool and the club are ready to do it. What do you think, what do you do with the team in terms of shape and personnel to best utilise him? So what would you do if Florian Verts arrived? If Thiago left and Florian Verts arrived, let's say, how would you fit him in with, with the rest of what we have? Um, I, I mean, Verts is someone we've discussed and I think we're in agreement that while the ceiling is enormous, the actual direction of where to get that ceiling is still open to debate because you can use him in a variety of ways right now and you can, however you think is best to get the absolute best out of him, shape that over the next couple of seasons. So... This first season, let's say, I would probably be inclined to not change too much of the team or the the, the shape of the team, etc., and probably try to get the best out of him in a range of those roles that we already have. Because I'm taking this as basically the, the same everything set up other than we're just adding him in, right? So I think it would be very wise to utilize him, let's say, as a, as a seller alternative and see if he can be a creative force from that side and let the goals come from somewhere else. I have mentioned before, I would really like to see him as a uh, Firmino Gakpo type of false nine and let him rove deep and everyone else run beyond him because I think he's excellent at use of space. Good on the turn, uh, in possession, can carry the ball, can do everything basically. Don't need to go over his technical traits. He can do all of it. And I know that you love him as an eight. So I would definitely like to see him in, in at least one, if not both of those roles. And just honestly, I'd let him see where he feels most comfortable, where you get most out of him in particular types of matches. I don't, at this point, at this age, think that he needs, absolutely has to be pinned down into one single role. Uh, I think for the first year, given that there's no massive outgoings that you're saying from our first 11 to accommodate this, I'd just let him fly and see where he comes up best, to be honest. Yeah, I'm like... With a player like Dominic as well, that you could play either side, you, you know, there's multiple ways you can fit. He could play either side of the front three. I mean, there's multiple ways you could you could try and and fit these guys into the team. Um, I, I just, yeah, you, you get them and you figure it out afterwards. Um, Carl, there's, there's growing speculation on Twitter as we speak uh, about two different things, and I'm going to throw both of them at you. 
The first one is that Al Halil would have an interest in signing Luis Diaz. Is there a fee you would accept for Luis Diaz this summer, or would you just be telling them to go far, far away and leave us alone? There are very few players that I would not accept a fee for. Uh, I would accept a fee for Luis Diaz, yes. Interesting. What would that fee have to be, though? Uh, somewhere around the 100 million mark. That's Probably fair. a bit more. Yeah, I think that's fair. And the second one is that Bayern Munich would have interest or would be open to the idea of selling Joshua Kimmich. Now, I don't, I don't like the idea of Kimmich for us, given how we now play. I don't really see what role he would fill because he's not a six. I think the the role for him would be where Trent plays, but we have Trent, so we don't need him. He's 29 during the, the coming season. They'd want big money. He'll want big wages. For me, I would avoid that deal at all costs. What Would you see it differently? Would you be interested? Um, like, I really like the player. I just don't think he's what we're looking for. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think he's what we're looking for either. I mean, the Trent role. And I know this is a question we're going to next, but the Trent role is where he fits um, best in terms of what he offers. A year ago, yeah, I would have gone for him, no question. And to be honest, even like, let's say, November, December, when we were looking at doing things differently, I would have gone for him. But now that we've decided which route we're going, now that we've, you know, restructured the midfield and signed two important first-team players, I don't want him ahead of those two. He's, He's older and he's a different style of player. And you don't need to really go readjusting that just because someone does become available on the market. Um, I I want much more of a ferocious ball winner as the six than Kimmich is able to be. Yeah. That, that that's just not in question. There's no doubt in his technical ability and all the rest of it, but and his leadership and his mentality and his winning ability and all the rest of it. But now that we've got those two midfielders, Sobosly and McAllister, I wanted a much more aggressive box-to-box, defensive-minded, right-sided player. Now that we've not got that, you can't again go without an absolutely elite ball winner. Mm. Regardless of anything else that they can do, you have to have someone in there who is adept at turning around, going against transitions, and winning you that ball back. Because the only other ball winner, and I mean proper ball winner, I don't know McAllister will challenge and will work hard and blah, 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 but the actual only other tackler we've got in there now is Trent. Trent has done really well in terms of ball winning in midfield, but over a period of two, three months, you have to have a top defensive player in there. And Trent also gambles a lot when he goes to try and win the ball. He's super aggressive. Very high risk, very, very very high reward because then he's the wrong side of two other midfielders when he wins it. Exactly. You have to have that recovery. You have to have that monster in there. And, like, we're not going to get Caicedo. We've been priced out of that, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. I think if we were only looking for one, maybe we'd look at Caicedo. And he's he's obviously brilliant. But the fact that we need two, that's where that's again where I think someone like Ducure just fits. Someone that can give Trent that license to be super aggressive and take those gambles, knowing that, well, if they get by him, their chances of getting by Ducure are... Are limited because the other good thing about Dakuri is he's not afraid to take a yellow card mm. and he plays well on a yellow card, which is one of the things we always lauded about Fab. Yeah. He knows how to walk that line between, you know, 
playing on a yellow and, and finding himself heading down the touchline or the the, the tunnel early. Um, the one, the one, the one devil's advocate version of this I will give you, right? Because they've come up at the same time and we're talking about how they can be incorporated. If Kimmich was to come in, I could see it working-ish. No, yeah, I could see it working. If he was the right-sided eight who does that more defensive filling in box-to-box sort of um, conduit who links things together, Sol's lie left side of the forward line and Diaz is sold for that big money. Yeah. That that, that as would a, work. As a reshuffle and the yeah. whole lot is already known in advance, let's say, by the people behind the scenes, that works. Yeah, Kimmich in that right sided eight role would be incredible. Like he would be phenomenal. Other than other than Fede Valverde, he's probably the the best suited player you could find for it. My other little doubt is why do Bayern want why would Bayern be open to selling a guy who's viewed as like a future captain of the club who's been there a long time who's who's up until the last week or so largely been viewed as untouchable is it do they see signs of a decline is that what it is I mean, I haven't seen huge signs of decline in him. Now, I didn't watch a whole ton of Bayern last year. He's got two years left in his contract. So is it his agent suggesting that, you know, he wants a new contract, blah, blah, blah. Is it Bayern maybe not wanting to extend a player who'll be 30 years of age when this contract expires and therefore a new contract would take him well into his 30s? I would want to know why Bayern are willing to sell because generally when Bayern let one of their core pieces go, it's because they believe they've gotten their best years. Now, I think Thiago has been very good for us, but obviously the injuries have been a huge factor as well. We've gotten value for money from him, but we got him very cheap. Kimmich wouldn't be cheap with two years left on his deal. They'd probably want... 50, 60 million? Yeah, I would imagine so. It's not going to be a cheap one, that's for sure. Um, I mean, you go back, what, a couple of seasons, three seasons, three seasons probably now, and you're looking at Goretzka and Kimmich being an unbelievable partnership after Thiago and Kimmich. And maybe it's just the fact he wants a new uh, sort of challenge, if you like. Um, You know, a few of their longer term players just don't leave they, you know they keep them there, there is no turnover there of a core and maybe it's just a case that he's decided he wants to leave and they feel that's an opportunity to do so you think of people like you know, how long Muller was there how long Neuer has been there that kind of thing it sometimes you do just need a slight refresher maybe Tuchel coming in wants his own type of midfielder and then maybe that's just the case but I don't see that he fits anywhere for us with the team as it is other than that right-sided role personally yeah, and Dominic going to the left of the of the front three, which again I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be against seeing that, but I would rather I would rather we just keep Diaz, keep Dominic as the right side at eight and go and get that monstrous ball winner. I just had a quick look there at the Diaz chat and fifty million euro is flying around. Oh that's I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't even send his boots for that. No, I don't even think we'd pick up the phone other than to tell them to go away. Uh right, scenario two from Andy. Trent is ruled out for at least six months. 
what do you do with the shape and tactics to deal with his absence? I think the obvious thing is you just go back to 4-3-3 and Joe Gomez slots in at right back. I think that's pretty much the only thing we could do as currently constituted. Now, Gomez is obviously a good a good player when he's on, but he hasn't been particularly good for the last, well, since he came back from the injury. And it's not just that you'd be making that one change. It's not just Joe in for Trent and you're moving back to the 4-3-3. You've also then got the factor of if you bring in a left-sided centre-back, are they now the left-back in a back four or is Andy Robertson back into the team? Because do you really want two centre-backs as your full-backs? I don't think you do. So Robertson's going to have to come back in. So you're making two changes. So it's not ideal. The other alternative is maybe if Connor Bradley shows signs that he's ready to contribute, maybe he would play right back. Again, it's, I mean, it's questionable whether he's right or not. Yeah. And I mean, look, a lot of this is going to depend on midfield stuff, basically, because if, if, if we're saying like, let's say for the opening game of the season, obviously the transfer window is open. If we're saying the squad stays as it is and the transfer window shut when this injury happens, then I think there are a couple of ways you could try and go through some games, some months maybe, play in a similar sort of way. We've spoken before that maybe Stefan Basetic yeah, has yeah. that capacity to, to fill in that role and we can see him there. I think there are games, there are reasons you could do Jordan Henderson playing that role. Um, what do you do that with him in Saudi Arabia? Don't even even consider it. He's gone. Don't take it away. This is what I mean. If if don't take it away from that. (laughs) If he's gone, then so is Fabinho, right? Yeah. So there's. Let's just assume it doesn't matter who somebody is in as number six, right? But the rest of it, if it's all still the same, I'd be inclined to put Thiago next to whoever the number six is, so that you have got in the absence of Trent's passing range another central midfielder in there who can play, uh, who can who can progress the ball, who can pick out runners, that kind of thing. That requires Thiago to be fit for a run of months. Mm. Um, so I do think if there is no Trent swap, let's say, by like saying Basetic plays the exact same role, then you have to just have a more solid right back and Thiago into midfield for me and go to a 4 2 3 one yeah, I mean, you, you could do the, the box shape with Thiago next to that ball winner if that ball winner is comfortable enough to drop into centre-back out of position, out of possession rather. So Ibu stays kind of right back. Virgil goes centre-back next to, let's say it's Amrabat or Dukure. Dukure has experience playing centre-back for Lens. Not, not huge experience, but he's played there. So he could drop in out of possession and play that centre-back spot. Now, it leaves Thiago as the six, which isn't ideal. But for for all the defending that you'll do, maybe you get away with it. The other option, the other option obviously, like you said, is, is, is Besetic, who I think could do the hybrid role as Trent does it, not to the same level. But I think he'd be comfortable enough dropping into right-back out of possession. And... Um, He's, he's certainly got some talent on the ball. There's no doubt about that. And he backs himself. And he was a centre-back, so he can certainly drop in there. So he can drop in well. there. So, yes, I mean, you, you would you would definitely, between the, the two Spaniards, between Besetic and Thiago, I think you'd probably muddle through. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be as fluid, maybe, as what it is now. But I definitely think it could work. Um, scenario number three, and this is the last one. 
The club say there's no money for a centre-back after the midfield rebuild takes place. So if you want a new one, the money will have to come from sales. There's an offer of $7.5 million for Phillips, $10.5 million for Matup, and $30 million for Joe Gomez. Who do you sell and who do you replace them with? So I'm guessing you're not going to sell all of them because then you'd need to bring in at least two. So would you sell, say, Matip and Phillips or would you sell Gomez? I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. So those prices quotes are right. First of all, I don't think you're getting 10 million from Matic from anybody, anybody, anywhere. Um, said this Saudi. before. Saudi's about the only hope. I mean, maybe so. If they're willing uh, to pay 10 for Henderson, I think they'd pay 10 for Matic. He's younger and he's better. He's got, what, a year left in his contract and he was terrible last season. Was he as bad as Henderson? Oh, well, that's not really a fair question. No, because nobody was as bad as Henderson. <laughs> um, take take those, whatever. Um, I would probably be inclined, if it's got to be a one-for-one, probably Phillips, just because he's you know, the, the comfortably the worst or the least experienced or the slowest or the least useful in positional terms of the three. And also he deserves to go and play football because that's his job and he doesn't do it. Mm. So... There's only two and a half million difference between him and Matip, so let's take the Phillips one. Even if I was to get rid of both of them, I think I would still only bring in one because you know Phillips was what on the bench five times last season or something. Yeah. It's not like he contributed a huge amount. So let's say I get the seventeen and a half million. I'm not sure there's someone out there for that amount of money. I would definitely, definitely want uh, unless, let's say. I don't know, Monaco, we're getting really desperate towards the end of the window and you could get Disassi for that amount of money, something like that, because I reckon there's a bigger sell-on to be had there down the line, even if he doesn't absolutely star or develop the way you really hope he will. I think he can probably fill in the Canate right-back hybrid role. Um, I think he's quick enough to play that sort of left-sided role as well, even if he's not as comfortable on that side. Um Mostly, I think, to be honest, I would look for a stopgap at this point, whether that is trying to get someone on loan like 
let's say Salisu, if we could get him on loan with no buy option, something like that, so that Southampton maintained the value on him. Um, I suppose I should caveat at this point. Sorry if any of these players I now mentioned have just transferred in the last week and have not known anything about it, but just in case. Uh, if not, then go around the clubs who are struggling financially, like Barcelona, for example, if we get Christensen, either on a loan or you know give them 10 million for him, do part of the the... Thiago deal as a swap for him instead of Kessie or something like that. That's what I'd probably be looking to do. Stockpile that money for a little while longer, maybe until next year, uh, and put it towards a much, much better player. Guy has just suggested I want Eric Garcia. He can get in the bin. No, no. No, no. Definitely no. not. Under no <laughs> circumstances it will there be Eric Garcia talk on this podcast because he is brutal. Um... I'd go the same way. I'd sell, I'd sell Matip, and I'd sell um, Phillips because, like you said, Phillips doesn't contribute anything. He's just there. He's just a, a body at the end of the day, and he needs to go and have a career. And was he twenty five, twenty six now? What is Matt Phillips? He must be near twenty six. He is twenty six. Let the lad go and have a career. So take the money, take the money on Matip, and. At that kind of price point, you're looking for either someone who's undervalued, coming up out of contract maybe a year from now, or you go for someone young with a huge upside that you can try and develop. And I think I'd do that. Alan Maturo, the Uruguayan at Genoa, was the best centre-back and second-best player at the recent World Under-20 World Cup. World Under-20 World Cup? The Under-20 World Cup. Um, he was he was incredible in that competition. He fits the left-sided role in our back three really, really well. So he is who I would go for. Um, I think he'd make a lot of sense for us. He's not been at Genoa long. He only joined them in January. I think they paid five to get him. So I think the 17 and a half would be more than enough profit for Genoa. Um, so I think I'd go for him. Uh, failing him, I, I don't know. Like I'd want, to, I, I'd want it to be a left footer. I like Robert Renan at Zenit St. Petersburg, but I don't think they'd sell for that kind of money. I think they'd want 25, maybe even 30. I really like Lukeba at... Leon, but it looks like he's going to go to Leipzig. So I'd, I'd go Alan Maturo. He's only 18. He'll be 19 in October, but I think he's got the potential to be absolutely incredible. I think he, he's he's going to be a Uruguayan international, I'd imagine, before the end of this year. Um, right, that is that. Um, last thing for you before we go. Manchester United have today agreed a fee of 44 million-ish, plus some add-ons, uh, pounds sterling, that is, for Andre Onana, who obviously joined Inter last season on a free. United fans are very excited by this, Carl, uh, because they've seen compilations of him and his passing ability and how comfortable he is with the ball at his feet. Uh, they're very upset that people are putting up fail comps of some of his errant passing and some of the times he's allowed the ball to run under his feet. And they're furious at the suggestion that he's not very good on crosses and not a great shot stopper. 
What's your view on Andre Onana as the new Manchester United goalkeeper for the third highest figure ever spent on a goalkeeper in the history of football? <laughs> um, I like Onana, I really do. I think he's a very, very strong character. That's not always gone the way he would hope for that to use, but there's no doubt in his ability to overcome adversity. I don't think that this move will phase him in the slightest. He's just played in the Champions League final. Um, so personality-wise, I think it's good for United, to be brutally honest. Fee-wise is, is excessive. It's extortionate a little bit in terms of, let's say, the consistency that he displays of his very best work. And certainly in the fact that, as you say, he was free a year ago. Um, I think he'll be a good signing for them. And even though it's expensive, I mean, I could see him just staying there for a good few years now and over a length of time, that fee probably looks not excessive. Um, I don't think he's like, let's say, top five in the world or anything like that, but I think he's a big step up on what De Gea has been doing over the last three years, probably. I know De Gea's shot-stopping is like off the charts good sometimes, but it's also been really, really subpar Mm. too often. And he makes too many errors which haven't improved in his game and which now don't really suit the way United want to play. So I think it was right that they move on from De Gea at last. Um, I think that this is an important step for them, to be honest. And I don't think it's going to be anywhere as damaging if it doesn't work out as, let's say, Kepa signing for Chelsea because of the massive nature of what the, you know, the fee was, what the timing was, all the rest of it. I think this is a fairly natural break-off point for United to, to take new steps. So I don't think it's a bad deal. I know it's expensive. I know he's not the absolute elite, but I don't think United are in position to go for the absolute elite because of where those goalkeepers already are. So either they were going to go and find their own goalkeeper they believed could become elite without more uh, fee attached to him and just develop him themselves, or they go and get as ready-made as they can. And I think Anana's about the ceiling for that right now. Yes or no answers. Is Andre Onana better than Ederson? All round? All round. Yeah, as all round goalkeepers, not right. not in one okay. area or another, just as a whole package. Is he better than Ederson? No. Is he better than Aaron Ramsdale? Yes. Nick Pope? Yes. Ooh, I don't agree with that one. Alison Becker. Not even close. Robert Sanchez. Yes. Emmy Martinez. No. Well, everybody's better than Hugo Lloris, so we'll move on. Is he a better <laughs> goalkeeper than David Rea? Yes. Is he? Would, it, would yes. David Rea for 30 million not have been a better deal? No. I, I'm, I'm not a massive Rea fan. You don't like so. Rea, do you? No. Um, Bernd Leno. Oh, yeah. V- uh, Vicente Gaeta. Behave. Kepa. Yes. Jose Sa. Yes. Alphonse Ariola. <laughs> Probably. It's very difficult to know given the amount Ariola hasn't played. True. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Say yes. Um Neto. <laughs> yes. 
I can't remember the name of the goalkeeper who played for Nottingham Forest last year, but he won Champions League with Real Madrid and played for Kaylor PSG. Navas. Kaylor Navas. Is he better than Kaylor Navas? Um, no, although Navas last year wasn't at his best either. But let's say no on the balance of more than one year. True. Jordan, shortest arms in the world, Pickford. <laughs> yes, he's better than Pickford. Uh, everybody's better than Danny Ward. So we're not even going to ask. Uh, Ilan Melier. Yes, really is crap. And Gavin Basunu. Now, be careful how you answer this. Yes, Dave. So you would say he's better than all bar... Three keepers in the league. Yeah, I don't think there's that many good goalkeepers in the Premier League at the minute. Neither do I. So, But you'd have him fourth behind Alisson... Ederson and Emmy Martinez in whatever order you want to put, well, Alisson and then whichever order you want to put the other two in. Yeah, probably that exact order you've said it, to be fair. Alisson, um, Ederson, Emmy Martinez, Andre Onana. I yeah, would have Nick I, Pope over him. I, I think Nick Pope's a very good goalkeeper, but I also think Nick Pope had last season as a very good all-round goalkeeper. That's it. True, true. Um, yeah, you are right. When you go through them, like it is in Premier League goalkeepers is very, very weak right now. Honestly, there's an enormous drop-off between the top three and let's say the rest, or if you want to include Pope four and the rest. I mean, mm. Leno is maybe about roughly one of the better goalkeepers in the rest. And I think he's a fucking average goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. It might be the weakest position in the league. Oh, it's, it's garbage, honestly. And like the it's, gulf it, between Allison and number two, I think is fairly significant as well. So, I mean, you're always going to get when you are talking about good one keepers. Of, yeah, one one or two in the world for any position. There's going to be a drop off, quite a big drop off to the rest. But then it's really that top batch to the majority. Let's say there shouldn't be as wide a gulf. Generally speaking, it should be a a fairly normal decline. Let's say. That's why the league table ends up like it is. But honestly, I don't see that much difference between, I know we laugh at him, but, you know, let's say Pickford and who do we have? Sixth, seventh, Sanchez. He's be- Sanchez is better, but he lost his place. Who else have we got around that sort of area? Leno. Ra- like Leno, Raya. I, I don't uh, see a fucking... Ariola. There's not a huge gap between those Ramsdale. I think they're all fairly bog-standard goalkeepers. Yeah. There's not a big, big discrepancy between seventh and 17th, to be honest. No, it's true. It's true. Like, you've got the couple of standout stinkers like Danny Ward and the ghost of Hugo Lloris. But, yeah, it's it's not good. It's not good at all. Very curious to see what Chelsea do with goalkeeper now. I think they'll probably end up with David Ray, if I'm honest. Right, Carl, we will leave it there. I'll, I'll and... give you one more since you gave me one. Late, oh, go late ahead. One. Right, just give me one second. You may have seen this. It's just come up now. Uh, Wes Fofana has uh, had an ACL reconstruction surgery again. Yeah. Yeah. That is a massive blow for Chelsea. And there's also some rumours that Reese James is not going to be fit to start the season. That he's quite a bit behind and has picked up something else injury-wise. So... Fafana's a huge blow. I I genuinely when when he went to Leicester, I thought they had gotten themselves an absolute monster. And then he had the, the horrible ankle injury and now an ACL tear. Mm-hmm. Like it's really unfortunate. 
could could Pochettino line up with a back four next year that has two left-footed centre-backs in Levi Colwell and Benoit Badiashile? I mean, I think the chances of Colwell leaving have just dramatically dropped, so let's put it that same, way. Same, same. I, I think they've I think they've just been extinguished, to be honest. Even if he doesn't want to sign a contract, I think they'll keep him now. Um, because your other options are Thiago Silva, who can't run, Trevo Chalaba, who I do like, but I think he's a centre back in a back three. I don't really like him as a centre back in a back four. Maybe they'll dip into the market again, which you know would be a very Chelsea thing to do. But I, I, it's, I, it's horrible for the player. I don't I don't care about Chelsea. Like I literally, the more injuries Chelsea have, the better it is for us because it's one less team to worry about. But Wes Fafana is. 22 years of age, he'll turn 23 in December. And this is now the second major knee injury. Sorry, the second, the third major injuries had the second major knee injuries had. Because obviously the one that cost him half a last season as well. That's horrible. Genuinely horrible for the lad. He's so talented as well. When they when him and Saliba were together at Sedetian. They they both obviously had enormous potential, but as a pure defender, I thought Fafana definitely had the higher ceiling. Maybe he comes back and he's okay. He's not someone that hugely relies on pace, so if he loses a little bit, I don't think it'll matter, but ah, it's so unfortunate for him. He's so talented. Shame. Absolute shame. Right. Now we leave it there on a on a low note. Is there any? Well, you haven't. Have you started back to work yet? No. When, when are you back? back? Just came back from the good people's uh, podcast listening. Well, there you go. Right. Well, uh, Carl will be back to work at some point, so make sure you're following him on Twitter at Carl Matchett to catch up on all the latest, both in the world of football and Formula E. Follow Guy Drinkle at Guy Drinkle and. Just don't follow me because it's just such a pain in the hole. I'll talk to you all soon and so will Carl. Best of luck. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.